So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. Got a comment here from Alan Moyne, M-O-I-N. Alan says, you and your group are rock. Your podcasts are full of great information for any agent who wants to improve their business. Thanks for all the hard work. Five plus, 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 plus. Thank you, Alan. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want. Or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. This episode is brought to you in full by Rebus University, the future of real estate training. Go now to www.rebusuniversity.com and use the coupon code ROCK for 20% off your first course. Double your commissions now with Rebus University. All right, Rockstar Nation, we have a great uh, returning guest with good uh, timing. I got Mr. Mitch Steven on the line. And listen, no V in the middle, no S on the end. That is right. No V in the middle, no <laughs> S on the end. Mitch Steven, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. And listen, Mitch is out of, you're out of San Antonio, right, Mitch? Yes, sir. I am out of San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. And, you know, he was on the show once before about 200 episodes. And we mainly talked about, you know, an owner financing a gig that he's got going and, and a lot of things regarding that. I want to go a little different angle this time around, um, but still talk a little bit about what has changed in the financing realm, you know, with regards to uh, hard money and owner financing. And we're going to dig deep into that. So I got some exciting uh, questions from Mitch and uh, hold on tight. This is going to be good. So Mitch, why don't we start out by you, you know, introducing yourself and telling everybody a little bit about yourself. Okay. I'll try to keep it short. I'm, I'm a high school graduate. I live in San Antonio, Texas. I didn't go to college, but just a semester and a half or something and decided it wasn't for me. I fumbled around till I was 36, starting all kinds of businesses, always having a day job and then the business of the hour that I was trying to get off the ground. Um, I failed at a lot of businesses, but I always managed to keep my good reputation and my good credit. I don't know how I did that, but I did. And um, then I, I looked up one day, I had a couple of rent houses and I sold one of my rent houses after a couple of years and I made more money than, than I did at my job working 40 hours a week. So the light bulb went off. And I started studying and I'm 57 right now and I started at 36. So 21 years later, I did everything in the last 20 years. And, yeah, that's uh, kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's never too late, I guess. I never gave up. Um, and what I liked about real estate was in all my other businesses, when I did the job, if they didn't pay me, I, I couldn't get my money from them anyway. There was no real recourse against them. The things that I were doing weren't high dollar. Mm. And I, could, I couldn't get back my service or I couldn't get back what, I, you know, so 
but real estate offered me a chance to be made whole if I played within certain rules. Um, if they didn't pay me, I could, I could get healed up pretty good. I could take the property back. So um, I, I jumped off after reading a book called Robert Allen, Nothing Down, because he had the audacity to, to suggest that um, I could get into the game with no money. And if, 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 if being broke was a requirement, then I had enough of nothing to buy the whole town. So I went out and I bought 45 houses my first year. I bought 65 houses my second year. I bought 150 houses my third year. And that was too many. Uh, <laughs> and I learned to scale it back and have a life. And, and you make more money actually at about 75 to 100 houses because you can watch the money from going out the back door. You know, getting it to come in became kind of easy, but stopping the money from going out the back door was, was the trick I had to learn. Cause yeah, people, that, and that's a big trick. And I think a lot of people don't really um, think about that when they're investing in real estate, especially people that own two or three houses. And, and, and if they're, you know, built in the seventies or the eighties or, it, you know, even before that, you know, it's just very difficult not to leak your profits in a new air conditioning or a, a dead tree that's, you know, ruining. Well, the yard. well that's very apropos that for the next point, point. because <laughs> I bought 25 houses. I bought into the rental myth and, you know, the gurus would say, you know, you got a thousand coming in, you got 600 going out and you're netting 400 a month. That's 48 you know, $4,800 a year. And, and they just blew off like every liability in the world that was my responsibility, starting with the air conditioner and ending with the, the hose bib outside. You know, <laughs> right. and, and, and so I had 25 houses. I knew that I wouldn't collect all the money. So I had 25 houses. I was clearing 300 apiece. So I was supposed to be, you know, on paper, the potential net was 7,500, but I wasn't so dumb to think that I was going to keep it all. So I said, you know, my freedom number is is 3,500 bucks. So out of 7,500, if I can just keep 3,500, this business will work. I, I lost a thousand dollars that year. Exactly. I just, you know, like two cents from, and, and so, so that leads to a great question, which I'm sure people are thinking, I'm going to ask you this. So, so what's the secret sauce? Like what, like you say 75 to a hundred houses, you can make it work, but uh, 25 houses, you lose a thousand a month, right? So what, well, how? What tell me, tell me, tell me what the secret is. Well, there are two different games that you're talking about. So the 25 houses, I was a landlord and everything that broke, I had to pay for it. And people, people moved into my house and, uh, and tore it up and left. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of times they'd leave because, you know, I called one guy one time. He says, how come you're moving? He says, the house smells like dog crap. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. You got seven dogs and they're crapping on the carpet. What do you expect? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I almost, you know, I wanted out of that business. I thought, well, this is another business I'm going to fail at. Another business card to add to my three-inch tall Jeez, stack of business cards. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was really starting to question myself as a, as a, you know, smart human being at all. And out of desperation, I hired a guy for $10,000, which was my last $10,000, which in 19... You know, ninety six or whatever, ten thousand dollars was worth a little bit more than it is today. But when it's your last ten thousand, it doesn't matter what year it is. It's a lot of money. Right. And yeah. and he showed me how to get out of the landlording and start owner financing these houses where I was just the bank and I wasn't responsible for everything. So within six months, I wasn't even a believer in this. Within six months, I I converted all my rentals into owner financing, and 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 twenty five people gave me three thousand down. Remember, this is twenty something years ago. So. So 20 years ago, so 3,000 down is a small number, but it wasn't quite that small. But 3,000 times 25 
houses was I had 75,000 in the bank, more money than I'd ever seen in my bank account ever. And then the $7,500 that was coming in, that, that was coming in for the rents, it was coming in now as, as mortgage payments and it never left my bank account. I mean, there was, you know, if the air conditioner broke, it wasn't my air conditioner. I had sold it to these people on payments. It was their house. And people started staying and fixing up my house. Instead of um, moving out and tearing it down and moving out, they were staying and fixing up my house. And so I was clearing the 7500 a month, almost every month. I mean, there was a few people that were late now and then. But they, it was a whole different mentality inside my house. This was the difference between the rental mentality and the owner mentality is a yeah. thousand percent. That's crazy. And, so, so let me take this an angle that – that nobody is expecting, okay, that nobody is expecting because normally on the show we're talking about buying, why real estate agents should buy more properties, you know, why you should get in the rental game, which I'm a believer of. But you told me that two, you re, last year you had two students who paid you a significant amount of money that each had 100 homes and you coached them on how to get out of 100 homes and uh, and i'm assuming that whatever the reasons are right uh could be they think that the market's peaking could be they think they could be a time in their life could uh, you know whatever let's just skip that for now what what did you tell them how did you coach people okay let me take well, 100 houses off the table no i i didn't teach them how to get out of the houses i repositioned themselves in the house or I guess you could say they got out, but what I did was I told them to quit being a landlord, take ten or twelve or fifteen thousand dollars down per house, and and become the bank and make a thirty-year note and just collect the the money. Some how, of these do you guys, do, how do you do that? Do you go to the tenant first, and then and then um, and then after that, like well, step by steps. The first thing you do is you don't mess with a great tenant with no problems that's paying on time that keeps your house good. Leave that guy alone. Start with your vacants. The ones that are how you the one that you're looking at that says, "Man, I'm going to have to put 15 grand in that to to get it ready to go," or "I'm going to have to put 10 grand in it." Owner finance that one. Get someone else to give you eight, and they go over budget fixing it, fixing up your collateral. You know, get get someone to give you seven or eight thousand dollars for that house. Don't spend the ten. Get someone to give you eight, and then watch them go over budget fixing up your collateral. And these a lot of these people, most of their houses were paid for. So when they and, you know, there's a formula that I have, and we back into the formula, we back into the rents. Mm -hmm. We back into the rents to establish an owner-financed value. And he sold those houses in those neighborhoods to renters who couldn't get a loan through traditional avenues that had a substantial down payment and, and, and were happy to trade their rental payment for a mortgage payment, including so the tax interest. So he had to sell them above market, right? Because if you're in a hot market, um, people are going to say, well, why don't you just sell them? Why don't you just MLS them and let them pop? Well, there's a whole different tax game there. Um, then what are you going to do with the money? You're going to go put it right. out at 10%? I mean, he, he could sell the houses at 9.9 or 10 or at the time, 10.5% before Dodd-Frank. So, I mean you already got the asset. Why don't you just finance it and, and make, a, make, you know, what sort you of know that rates, asset. what sort of rates are you telling these people to charge? Uh, about 9.9. .9. I mean, it's regulated by Dodd Frank right now, but you know, some, you know, like prime plus one or something. It's prime, yeah, I mean, I mean prime plus four, deal. four and a half or something. I don't remember, but that's a, uh, hell of a deal. Yeah. Well, so what they wanted to do was landlord. Yeah. Well, what they wanted to do is keep the money that came in. 
As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. You know, here's the deal. The argument against owner financing and for being a landlord is that you have appreciation and depreciation. Well, I'm buying houses for $50,000 in my town and I'm owner financing them within 30 days for 100,000. I mean, how much appreciation do you guys want as a landlord? <laughs> I mean, you know, you want to annualize that? Annualize that. You know, 100% increase in 30 days times 12 months, annualize what that rate of that what that appreciation rate is. So I'm saying instead of waiting for houses to creep up in appreciation, why don't you just own or finance them and take all that time and all that money that you're spending on maintenance and management and just go find another house and own or finance that one. And then go find another one and own or finance that one. You know, I have 300 people that owe me house payments every month. And I don't, I don't do one repair ever. No, I love that. And then what's your foreclosure rate on those? About three and a half percent right now, but right now is the good time. When the recession hits, it might go up to about 10%, but some of that's good, maybe even 15%. It depends, but, but these people put a lot of money down. They will not leave easily. I'm averaging $12,000 down per house, and my average house sells between 80 and 110. So, um, you know, these people won't go easy. Uh, something drastic will have to happen. And in the event that it does happen, and I want to make this very perfectly clear, I don't want to make a living off of someone's failure. That's not my game plan. But if someone has to go, then on 15 or 10 or 15% of the houses, I get to recapture that equity that, that, that was building up in that house. So it's not all bad. I mean, when I take houses back, generally, if they're just not torn to hell, it's a good deal. Uh, but taking houses back is not a business model, you know, not for me anyway. So I, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's know. part of the game. And I mean, the cool part about it, right, if you're the bank, you know, people are driving down the road listening to this thinking, well, how in the hell could this guy get a house that he bought for 50 to appraise uh, 30 days later for 100? Well, easy because it doesn't have to appraise because he's the best. So <laughs> yeah, he, I don't have to appraise. Whatever he wants to say. I'm not for, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not federally like a used car kind of. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not federally insured. I'm not getting government guarantees. No one's backing me. I'm backing myself. And if, you and I can agree that house with the hole in it, the size of a dining room table in the roof, you know, if we can agree on a price for that and you want to make payments and give me a down payment, we're in business. I don't need any inspections. I mean, I can sell a house that doesn't even have a roof. You know, I can sell it for whatever I want. I can collect payments for whatever I want. And, you know, if we agree on a down payment, a payment, we're closing in 20 days. It used to be closed in 24, you know, in 24 hours, but now we got some regulations. It's about 20 days now. 
Hmm. Fascinating. Okay. So let's jump ship a little bit on, on your businesses. You have four businesses. Can you outline the four businesses you own right now? Mm, I, I started out flipping houses. I still have that business. I, I, I buy and, and then I sell with owner financing about 100 houses a year. Hmm. Um, I got so good at raising private money that I couldn't spend all the money. So I have a hard money loan business and I loan it to my competitors in my town who found deals before I did. Okay. I have 1,300 boat and mini storage doors in 14 locations that average $92 a month on the first. $92 a month. Okay. 1,300 so, doors times $92 on the first of every month. <laughs> okay. So let's, thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about that fourth one um, because that's, that, that's a fascinating uh, subject for real estate investors or for anybody. And I think it gets people to think bigger as to, you know, uh, you know, real estate is not just about houses. So, so tell me your story, like from the first one you bought it to the 1300 that you own now. Okay. But just for the record, that was only three. <laughs> <laughs> that was only what? That was only three. The, the flipping oh, business, sorry, the loan business, business and the storage sorry. business. Then there's the educational business, and then I own a software company called Livecom that helps me sell all these houses, L-I-V-E-C-O-M-M dot com. And, but, so you want to talk about the storages. How do you yeah, do that? Yeah, let's talk about the storages and the boat docks. That's well, they're not boat docks. They're, they're storages on dry land, and you drive into them like a garage, and you shut the door, and you walk away from it, and you leave your boat at the lake somewhere on my property. So, oh, so how's that work? Yeah. They're dry storage. It's a barn. It, you know, it's a... So it's a row of barns and people back their boat into their barn and they close the door and they leave the boat at the lake and they drive an hour back to town. So you, so, so how do you do that? You buy land near a lake and then you build a bunch of barns. I build, yeah, they, they look like mini storages, but they're taller and wider and longer so they can hold a boat. And they may even have dirt floors or gravel floors or asphalt floors. Uh, they don't have to be concrete. However, if you build them out of concrete, you now have two uses for them. They can store boats or they can store household goods. So I usually build them out of concrete because I want double the chance to rent them. That's so I, built, I bought, thir in 1991, I bought 13 used boat storages in front of a state park at Canyon Lake, Texas. And, I, and it had corrugated aluminum on the outside all the way around. It had a hinged door and it had chicken wire between the stalls so you could stand in the place and see every boat and it had a dirt floor and they rented for you know forty dollars a month and people would park their fishing boats in there so they didn't have to drag them around and keep them at their house in the backyard and, and then uh, I, st I started collecting those rents and I thought wow this is the kind of rental business I want to be in I don't want to be in the house rental business because there's too much resistance there's too big an asset um, waiting to be destroyed by someone who doesn't care. Um, but this didn't have any sheetrock. It didn't have any carpet. It didn't have any sinks or toilets or hot water heaters. It had, they didn't even have any electricity, but I started adding a light bulb and a, and a plug for battery chargers uh, to pulse chargers for the boats so they wouldn't show up with dead batteries. And it didn't, it didn't have any glass. It didn't have any windows. It had one door, and, and, and I thought, wow. So today, if you want to know the secret, of my success, I think it's because I took the one-time cash model, and I'm quoting Jack Bosch here, the one-time cash model, which was the buy and flip or the wholesale. You know, you're in, you're out, one check, done, over. Yep. Then the then I, I took that that model 
and the temporary cash model, which is my model. Buy it with other people's money, owner finance it for double and keep the down payment and the spread. That's temporary though, because those notes are gonna expire. The average note in America used to last like seven and a half years. I think the average mortgage now lasts on a house is 10 years. So while they're longer term notes, they are gonna expire. So I took the one time in the, in the temporary cash strategies so that I could earn enough wealth to buy into a forever cash strategy. And the forever cash, cash strategy is, is something that you own and you never, you never part with and you keep collecting money off of it. So it's either a rental, like apartment complexes or houses or industrial complexes or, mini, uh, or uh, strip malls, strip centers or something. Or it could be a business that you operate as a true CEO from the top down that you don't work in it, you just guide it. If while you're on vacation, while you're doing whatever it is you do, you, from your phone, from your computer, you just guide it and you have ultimate freedom. I chose both mini storages as my forever cash strategy because it didn't require all the resistance when I needed to kick someone out because they didn't pay me and they, and they couldn't hardly tear it up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and I mean, it's a no brainer and they probably take care of it too. You know, I mean, to some I mean, degree, just- one of my, one of my storage facilities is a fenced, uh, three acres fenced with an electronic gate and a double wide mobile home on it that I let someone live in for free. So they watch and people park in the acid rain of Corpus Christi, Texas for $65 a month with nothing not a cover and they park out in the open and I got it all lined out. And they're all in a row and they pay me 65. No, they, they pay me. Yeah. They, a hundred people pay me $65 a month to park in, to, to park under the stars. As a member of the rock star nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool. An item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox, full of items of utility simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox that's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999 that's toolbox to 444-999 Fascinating. And the highest and best use of this land is, is clearly just, just really not much at all, right? I mean, it's not, like, it's not like you're buying land where someone could build a really nice cabin or something, right? This is all just kind of well, land out there nearby a lake, right? Well, this was, this was by the ocean, by Corpus Christi, Texas. It's, you know, by a bay where they go fishing all the time. Hmm. And, and people want to store their fishing boats right there. And they come from San Antonio and Houston and Dallas or wherever they come from, they pick up their boat and they go fishing all weekend or they go partying all weekend. So, um, but the thing is, the land wasn't worth much in the beginning, but the city grew out to it. And now it's a great way of holding land till it becomes worth a fortune. Now I can sell that. I bought that place for $200,000. Now I can sell that place for $600,000 or a million dollars. I haven't looked lately, but, you know, many storages were really 
I think invented just to get some income on land until the land appreciated, but it turned into a business that people don't sell. Um, I'm holding a lot of corner lots around the lake that I bought 15 and 18 and 20 years ago with storages, but one day they'll tear them all down and put up the CVS because the population is just creeping up on me. The schools are huge. The population is growing by leaps and bounds. And everywhere around me, people are starting to clear lots and put up stuff. And pretty soon, someone's going to offer me a million bucks for that little one acre that I have my storages on, and I'm going to sell. Yeah, right. It's a no-brainer. That's, that's neat. I like different ways to make money in real estate that you don't normally think of, right? Or, may, or maybe I'll just do a very long-term land lease, you know what I mean? And keep it in the family. I'll never see the end of that lease, but my grandchildren will. Yeah, yeah, that's an option too, obviously. Yeah, love it. All right, good stuff. So I think that, uh, you know, real estate agents have kind of a built-in aversion to owner financing. You know, I know I did. I know that, um, and I still have um, some doubts on it, to be honest with you. I know there's a, I live in a, a beach town called Folly Beach, South Carolina. And, um, you know, there's a guy here, Ryan, he's my neighbor, and he keeps buying up properties. And, and every time I see him, he's like, yeah, I got owner financing on that one. Yeah, I got owner financing on that one. And the thing of it is, it's a really hot market, right? So I thought to myself, well, why would that seller do owner financing, right? Why would they be, you know, why is that? And, and it's actually, you know, I'm actually thinking about this wrong right? Actually thinking that a seller is going to want to cash out just because that's what, what I might be thinking. And it's actually, they, they prefer his owner financing deals uh, and they like it because of multiple benefits. So why don't, why don't you talk to me and tell me, tell an agent that's listening that uh, has a seller that has two offers on the table, uh, both of them for the same price. One is for cash and one is for 50000 down and, and say 350000 owner financing, right? They're both $400,000 offers. What are the benefits to taking the fifty grand up front and the uh, three fifty owner financing? Well, obviously, the man must be well-to-do or he couldn't own a $400,000 house. So maybe, he, maybe he's already in the top income bracket and paying 39%. Why in the hell would he want to? add more money on top of that and pay the hit right now. And then he's going to be left over with 39% less of his profit. And then he's got to figure out where to invest that. Well, it's already invested in something. And he can get a really decent rate of return. And he knows what he's going to get back. He's very comfortable with the property that he's going to get back if he doesn't get paid. Plus, he got a $50,000 down payment. That ought to cover any damages. Or, it, you know, hopefully there's not that much damages, but 50000 can do a lot of work to a house. So, you know, he doesn't need the income. He doesn't need it to live. He doesn't need it to live in another house. He's probably, it's probably his lake house or his second home to begin with. So why, why, why does he want to take the money and take the hit all in one year? And then, then have to figure out what to do with the money. He's already got it in something. Yeah, and he can get above average interest on additional 350 You know, he might get 5 to 10% and, 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 and just have the, a, a monthly payment. And if he wanted to, he could put some principal in that sucker and, um, you know, um, to make it, his, make it more of an annuity. So there's all kinds of benefits to it. Well, and he, and he, again, he, at the end of the day, if the guy doesn't pay, the buyer doesn't pay, he just, he just forecloses on it. Yeah. So, but when, you know, when I, I'm, some people get confused on this. When I'm talking about owner financing houses, I buy houses with private money, and then I, I sell with owner financing to my buyer. You're talking about a seller owner financing 
you know. Yeah, I'm just talking about a regular seller. Yeah. He's got two offers on the table and one guy wants the owner finance. In the past, it's been, eh, I don't want to deal with that. But I think now more and more people are becoming open-minded to it. Say, like, hmm, you know, maybe that's a pretty good deal. Maybe I should take the owner financing deal. Yeah, but typically how it works is if I had a $400,000 house and that was the traditional value, I would be offering that house for 435000 owner finance with 50000 down, and I wouldn't be giving up hardly anything and getting the down payment. And because the other reason people would buy a house with owner financing instead of go get a new loan, there's yeah. all kinds of people from foreign countries that can't get a loan in this country or don't want to show their income or don't have time. Or, you know, the last one I sold that was expensive, um, the man called me up and says, I want to buy that house. I'll give you, you know, in the high, in high price ranges, you can, ex you can ask and demand very high down payments, like 20, 25% even, even 30%. Not that there's a lot of people out there like that, but you're just looking for one. And you're, na and you're really got a, on the coast of South Carolina, you've got a national, I mean, a, a global um, a customer. Um, and so uh, people from Mexico, China, um, and other places across the globe, $400,000 is nothing to them. They could, they could blow their nose on it and throw it in the fireplace. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. this, you know? And so the one that I was talking to, he wanted to buy a, a house for his daughter's wedding for, for the, for the wedding present. He wanted to, to, to get him in a house. And he says, I don't really want to go on the hook for a loan for it. I didn't want to spend 450, but they can afford the balance. Let me just put 150,000 down and you put this house in their name and I'll have done my job and I won't be on the hook for anything. Is that all right? And I said, yeah, it's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, take, I'll take your 150 and I'll put your kid on the hook. You know, and if they don't pay me, I'll take your kid's house away. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, you know, that, that's not vulgar language. It's just, that's the way it is. They know that, but I want to make very succinct. They said, yeah, you know, I said, you know, if they don't pay me, I'll have to, I'll have to take it back. And they said, oh, they'll pay you. Don't worry. And I said, okay, well, I'm just telling you, you know, you're from another country. I just want to make you understand, make sure you understand, you know, I don't want to, I'm not looking to, I, you know, but at some point I have to defend myself. So, uh, and so the, you know, there's a lot of reasons. People own businesses and don't show the money they make. People don't have time. People uh, just are sick and tired of dealing with the bank and trying to get, you know, 17 businesses on a financial report so that they can get a you know, loan. They're, they could be multi-millionaires, multi, 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 multi-millionaires. It costs them $10,000 just to get their finances in order to get a house loan. Yeah. You know, right. Like you happen. said, they just don't show it. You know, I mean, well, even if they, they did show don't it. distribute it, they don't distribute it. They may, they may, you know, they may make it within the company, but they don't distribute it. And then they can't really, you know, qualify for the loan. Yeah. That's the only thing I watch for is I don't want to take drug money and I don't want to take any illicit money. So, so I try to verify where. Have you had, are. have you had that? Oh yeah. It happens all the time. You know, you don't, I don't, you know, the, the number one reason you don't want to take drug money is they have no scruples. And, you know, when you go to foreclose on somebody in the drug business, you're jacking with the wrong person. <laughs> well, how do you know? Like, what? Uh, give me the example. What happened? Well, usually the tattoos on the neck and the teardrops in their eye <laughs> are a good indication. The way they talk, the way they dress, the way they, what they drive, who they are. I mean, I, I know what a gangbanger looks like. Do you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he walks in your office and you hey, that guy's a gangbanger. Right, you know, what, right. What do you do for a living to own that $80,000 car out there, you know, because you don't, you don't talk that smart to me. You, you don't sound very smart at all to me. You don't sound, I say smart, you don't sound educated in the ways that a man would need to be to, 
to, to drive an $80,000 car. So what are you doing to get this money? Yeah, and I guess with owner financing, you could, you know, you don't have to worry about jumping through hoops with fair housing and all that stuff, right? I mean, at, at oh, the end yeah, of the you day, do. You do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can't be discriminatory. Is that, is that what you're talking about? Discriminatory? Yeah, yeah, discriminatory. But that, no. but that's not discriminatory, right? Because you're looking, you're basically looking at their credit and saying, hey, you, you don't have, you don't have the credit and you don't have the income that you can prove to me. Yeah, I can, I can turn people down for that reason all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this has been fun, Mitch. So what I'm, what I'm going to do is, first of all, you're bringing a gift today. You're bringing 100 pages of uh, your book um, that everyone's going to be able to download for free and take a read at. What, tell me about the book. Okay, it's the first book. I never planned on writing a book. It's called My Life in a Thousand Houses, Failing Forward to Financial Freedom. And a lot of things happened that I didn't know were going to happen. Uh, I never planned to write a book. I didn't want to write a book. Anyone you ever asked that knew me, would, if you told them I was going to write a book, they'd call you a liar to, the, to your face. Uh, it, but something tragic happened. I sat down. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know this is what I was doing, but I was cataloging my life. Later, I learned from my, my doctor, who was my longtime investor who writes books. He told me that, uh, I told him, I don't know why I wrote this book because everyone keeps asking me and I keep giving an answer and it's not true. I said, why did I write this book? He said, you had, you had a tragic loss in your life, and you sat down to catalog your life. Who am I? Where have I been? What have I done? Uh, what am I going to do now? Uh, you know, and, and it turned out to be this book, and it was so raw and it was so honest that a lot of people said, are you sure you want to put this book out? Because I talk about the disputes I had with my wife over investing. I talk about the disputes I had with my family. I talk about, because no one, no, one, no one really thought I could do it. Everyone thought I was a lunatic. <laughs> I, was, I, I bought my first because I bought you my buy first, 150 houses in a year. Yeah, but get this: I bought houses in your first. Year. I bought my I bought my first hundred on credit cards, and everyone thought I was a nut. Probably say you're a little wacky too. Doing so I, I wrote this book, and I was also doing something inadvertently. I was figuring out how to fail without going under, so that I could. And I and I, and I called it the moat theory, and it's it, it, it's a very interesting way to set yourself up so that you can fail, but you won't go under. And you can keep going out there. And it's just money at that point. If every time you failed, you went back and you still had your wife, you still had your house, you still had your cars, you still could make your air conditioner bill and your payments and put gas in your car and pay the insurance. If every time you failed, you still went back to a place like that where everything was okay, how long would it be before you got rich? Because you could figure it out. You go out yeah. there and fail, you come back and go, okay. They had weapons that were shot further than I thought they would shoot. They were more devastating than I thought they would be. And they were hiding in places I didn't realize they were going to hide. So next time I go out there, I'm going to be prepared for this. And then how long is it till you figure out and you win? And then you win big. And then once you figure out how to win, you just figure out how to rinse and repeat the recipe and what do you call it? Ratchet up, you know, uh, duplicate. And so that's what I started doing when I figured rinse out how to repeat. Yeah. yeah, rinse and repeat. I started figuring out how to duplicate what I was doing with houses uh, and how to do it. Like today, uh, the last 300 houses I bought, Pat, I have not seen them. The last 300 people that bought my houses, I haven't met those people either. That's why I'm on, I can be on this talk show right now with you because I don't have to be there. They're buying houses right now and they're selling houses right now for me. That was the next evolution. You know, how do you get systems so that you're not a slave to your business? And that allowed me to create my fourth business that we never got to, which was the educational business. Okay. Because what does an entrepreneur do when you give him free time? He fills it up. Yes. So that's that's so the book is about failing forward to financial freedom. It's about how how I 
kept morphing and morphing and morphing and morphing and morphing till I found something that worked for me in the real estate department and about all the failures that happened, the money I spent, the people that screwed me, the times I just made dumb decisions myself. And, 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 and But at the end of the day, I had to reckon with myself in the mirror. It was all my fault. I couldn't blame anybody for anything because the first step of being successful is you have to take responsibility for every single thing in your life. And you can't blame anybody. You should have seen them coming, you know? And that was the first step. But I just start cataloging how I got to do 150 houses a year, starting with no money. No, love it, love it. I'm excited to read them. I'm excited to read them. So, guys, I'm, first of all, he's going to give away uh, – this is going to be on uh, Mitch Stephen 2, hybendigital.com, Mitch Stephen 2. Remember, no V, no S, no V, no S, hybendigital.com, Mitch Stephen 2. And um, we're also, of course, going to put it in the agent success toolbox, which can be found on hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or texting the word toolbox to 444-999. It'll be up there along with a plethora of other tools you guys can use to build and maintain your business, both in real estate sales and real estate investing. Mitch, this has been awesome. And by the way, uh, guys, if you're interested in any of Mitch's coaching services, any of his online courses, I'm going to put links to all of them. In the show notes, Mitch Stephen 2. Mitch, listen, I appreciate you coming back on and uh, always a joy to talk to. And thank you so much for stretching our minds and letting us think outside of the box in regards to real estate investing. There's so many different ways uh, to make money in this game. I appreciate you, brother. Hey, man, it's, it's always a pleasure to, to be on your show. And I wanted to ask you, would you please consider going on vacation with me at, on May the 19th to the 23rd? Once a year, I talk to so many people that I never get to meet in person. I invite everyone to, where I'm going to vacation with me. I don't charge anything. I'm not making any money. There's no seminar. There's no conference room. It's just a bunch of people talking real estate, having fun. And it's really quite educational, but we're, we're not in a conference room. We're at, the, we're at the swim up bar drinking margaritas or playing volleyball. Where's that at? It's at, I'm going to be at the Hard Rock Hotel Cancun on May the 19th through the 23rd. You can go to 1000houses.com forward slash Mexico dash 2018, 2018 and read all about it. It's no one's selling anything there. You can go there and network and really connect with people. You might sell when you get home, but no one's got their courses. No one's asking you to run to the back of the room. We're just eating and drinking and dancing and playing volleyball and sunning and swimming. And I got 90 rooms available. Last year I had, last year I had 45 rooms filled up, which was uh, 90 people. And, it, and everybody said that they wanted to come back and they wanted to bring other people. So I got 90 rooms reserved. It's 760 bucks for five days, all inclusive, all you can eat and all you can drink. You, can hardly, <laughs> you can't stay home. That's a free mastermind, everybody. So uh, definitely. And I'll put a link to that on the show notes too. Listen, Mitch, it's been awesome, buddy. Have a great day. All right, man. Thank you very much, Pat. This episode is brought to you in full by Rebus University, the future of real estate training. Go now to www.rebusuniversity.com and use the coupon code ROCK for 20% off your first course. Double your commissions now with Rebus University. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. 
I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast, and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening, and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.